0: gospel in a nutshell is the old rugged cross i love the story the true story right amen, amen. on a, a hill, hill far, far away stood an old, old rugged, rugged cross be cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it, to die. So hope is at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross, and exchange it someday for a crown. So I'll change
1: I don't know where you're at from where you sit I feel like just plugged in <laughs> it's one of those if you want to take your eyes off of everything else and just worship God there's a certain aspect of that and being in the presence of God and worshiping and crying out and singing to God that it just it's plugging, in the, plugging in the charger and just you know completely different after worshiping and singing praises to him. Um, I understand, and I looked up a scripture verse real quick from Philippians chapter 3, where, where Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, and starting verse 13, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And he wants to know Christ and not taken hold of it. But he says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus that that's what worship does for us take us to a place where we can forget about everything that is behind and turn literally turn our eyes to Jesus and say I want to get back and press forward to win the prize for what Christ has called me heavenward to to head towards Jesus Christ forget this and let's get to this and that's what we're going to talk about this morning we're going to talk about Mark chapter 1 I go through a scripture verse this morning that's um, it's quite interesting. It's one I believe that we, we've read over. And if you've read the Gospels, you've read through this passage over and over to understand what God um, says in these words. But it's one that we could very quickly glance over. Mark chapter 1 verses 4 through 11 and understand um, God making a way for us and God pointing away for us, God sharing away. If you have your Bibles, I do invite you to to open them up, I do read from the New International Version, it's still the 1984 version, it's the Bible I have. Um, Read along, I'm going to stay in this passage for the most part this morning and allow God to speak to us. Mark 1 starting in verse 4, and so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for uh, the time of worship, the time of praising your name this morning. And as we continue our worship by looking into your word this morning, Lord, I ask you to continue to speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Allow your word to come alive in our lives. We carry so many burdens, Lord. And I believe you want to lift them off of us. You want us to be able to refocus our lives on you. And you keep drawing us back to this place we keep coming back week after week after week, and we want to hit that reset button and start anew with you, Lord. Help us start afresh with you again this morning, looking into your word and looking to what you have to say to us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about your travels, but I want to talk about mine for a minute. I've been going down the road many times, my wife and I in the car. And she may look over at me and she says, you don't know where we're at. We're lost. Now my canned response, and I do have a canned response. I'm never lost as long as I can find my way back to where I came from. The problem with that statement is, I don't want to go back to where I came from. I want to go to where I'm getting to. And we have been heading multiple places at multiple times, and that situation comes up where, where we are at a point where we need to get the app, the app out on the map and figure out where do we need to turn, where do we need to go. Um, in the old days, get out the guide and the uh, AAA flip map, and, and let's figure out where are we, where do we need to go. Because the reality is we're headed somewhere. And actually in life, we're all headed somewhere. Sometimes we're not sure where the final destination is and as we look at Mark chapter 1 this morning I want us to understand that of God making a way for us and what happened in these events that we have recorded for us and what it means to have a way made for us. I recently saw a, t- a movie on TV, and it was about a girl that had a job interview in Washington, D.C. I believe she was from Ohio, so she had to travel by highway. Thanksgiving weekend, she was going to travel down to Washington, D.C., be there for her job interview on, on Monday morning. And as she was traveling down the highway, sure enough, the app came on, and it said that there was heavy traffic ahead, an accident or whatever it was, to get off the highway and take an alternate route. And so she did. She listened to her little phone and off she went into the hills of West Virginia or Virginia, wherever it was. I don't remember in the movie. And she started to go through these roads. And next thing she knew, she was on these mountain roads, very similar to what we have around here. And she's traveling at places and the phone doesn't work anymore. And you're standing outside going like this with the phone, trying to get a signal. She gets in the glove box, gets the map out, and she doesn't know where she's at. She's completely lost. And basically, she ended up completely lost because she got off of the main path. And now she found herself on a completely different journey, completely lost from where she wanted to be. In Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, which I didn't read, is we have two quotes from the Old Testament. One of them is from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Malachi 3, 1 says, I will send my messenger who, who will prepare the way for me. That's found in Mark chapter 1, verse 2. And then we have Isaiah 40, verse 3, which is Mark 1, 3, where Isaiah says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In my translation in Mark 1, 3, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. John the Baptist was making a way for the one who would come to make a way for us. That was John's role. He would make a way, he would open up the door, make the path for the one who would then make a way for us. As we look at this, and we look at this passage, we need to understand that the world has taken an alternate route. They've wandered away from the path of righteousness. And sometimes in our lives we take an alternate route. And we wander away from the path of righteousness. And we find that path to be quite easy, but then we find ourselves meandering around where we're not where God wants us to be. I want to give you a quick note on Mark chapter 1. There's something missing from Mark. If you've ever read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is something completely missing from the book of Mark. There's no beautiful stories about Christmas. There's no beautiful stories about the birth of Jesus Christ. We don't we don't read about angels coming and announcing that Mary's going to be pregnant and they're coming to Joseph. We don't read about the shepherds and the angels in the fields. We don't read about a manger. We don't read about Simeon in the temple. We, we don't read about wise men and them fleeing to Egypt. Where are all those stories? I mean, even if we get to the Gospel of John... Even in John, he, said, he, he announces Jesus announces Jesus in a completely different way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John even announces all eternity for us at the beginning of Jesus, which has no beginning. But, John, but Mark just skips over all of that and just, bam, right in. He just, you know, one of those, hey, let's just jump right in. This is how it happened. And so that's what we're going to do is jump right into this. We're in a day where uh, it would be good for someone to tell us where we're going. I'd love to know what tomorrow was. I think I said that last week, and I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I I would love to tell us where, where we're going. But I think we can know where we're going. I don't need to know where the world is going. And I want us all to be able to walk out of this place this morning, say, I know where I am going. I know exactly where I'm heading. With all the delusionment, the bewilderment, we still need and we still have someone who made a way for us. In life, we need to buckle up. We do need to ride the bumpy roads. We do need to go through the good. We do need to go through the bad. We do need to go through the times of health. We do need to go through the times of sickness. But I want us to be on a way, on a path, on a road of where God wants us to be from an eternal perspective we get back to the question do we know where we're out where we are do we really know where we are are we on the way that God has made for us so let's look at the words of Mark and words that God has given to Mark and has given to us and for us to understand of this making a way that's there for us and the first place I want to start is a positional establishment I got some crazy words for you today but a positional establishment where We start off with remembering. Here's a note for all of us. This is one that we all need to write down. It's not even from this passage, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Very simple passage for us all to remember. We should memorize it. It's one of those verses that every Christian should know by heart. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. That is our positional establishment. And, and And John the Baptist gives us that as well. I don't want to live there in that statement. I don't always want to dwell in that statement. But it is our positional establishment that's made clear by the word of God. If we start at the beginning of the word of God and run to the end, we will always see that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But in doing so, um, hopefully, we're not denying that. And so as I make that statement, I hope that none of us sit here today and say, well, no, no, not me. I I do know people that do deny it. But I also know that a battle rages inside of them because they don't know where they're going. They don't know where their hope lies. They don't know where their future lies. And they're worried about tomorrow. But as Christians, if we can start with the, with the positional establishment that we are a sinner and we are lost, then we will understand that we can have a direction of where we're going. What was John preaching? John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and we find that in verse 4 of Mark a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins That's very clear to me he wasn't preaching a baptism of repentance so you can have a wonderful life he wasn't preaching a baptism of repentance because you stink and you need to get a bath he was preaching a baptism of repentance because we needed forgiveness of sins he was preaching a baptism where he would set God's standard in front of the people and he would talk about God's purity and God's righteousness and where their position was one of sin and that God was making a way for them to come out of that sin. John was making a way for the message of Jesus Christ to ring true in the ears of the people by making it very clear of where they were. We have to start with where we are. At one point, actually over in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, it's the same story in Matthew chapter 3 of John the Baptist. He actually uses the words... Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That is an interesting words for John to say when he's preaching about the repentance for sin. Produce fruit in produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's establishing a point in their lives of are they sinners now repented, and are they producing the fruit that they should. See, bad fruit isn't coming from a good a good branch. And we talked about this in Sunday school class. We started to go down this path as well. But I I want to stop pretending about this and I want to start reading. It's very simple. Galatians 5, it's probably becoming one of my favorite passages. I still love the book of Ephesians, but Galatians 5, I have to keep going back there because I have to inspect fruit in my own life. And with this positional establishment and look at my own life and say, where am I at? Here's Galatians chapter 5. I start with verse 19. I'm going to read six verses for you. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Here they go. Are you ready? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's a man with camel hair and a leather belt wrapped around him, eating bugs and honey. By the way, all of you ladies that have jumped on a New Year's diet, why don't I ever hear anything about the John the Baptist diet? There's one to think about, guys. Bring home some locusts and honey and tell your wives, we're starting the John the Baptist diet this week. Locusts and honey. But here's a guy with a camel hair and a leather belt, eating bugs and eating honey, and he says, look, guys, better start producing fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. See, so we have this positional establishment of sin, and the fruit that John was seeing was not the fruit that should be coming from their lives. And so he doesn't leave his hearers hanging. I don't want to leave us hanging either because he goes on. There's a positional establish- that establishment that we have, but it cascades into a prepared expectation. I like the prepared expectation because it's when we're sitting on the edge of our seat. With prepared expectation, we're waiting for something to happen. Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is yet, but I know it's going to happen. I know we're in sin, but something has to be bigger than that. And picking up in verse 7, John begins to point people to Jesus who is going to come. John was held in high regard for the people. I know that. Matthew 21, 26 tells me that John was held in high regard by the people. The Pharisees were afraid of denouncing John because he was held in high regard for the people. And so here we have him bringing forth this message. And as he brings forth this message, he starts preparing them for someone that would come. John knew what he was called to do. He knew the message he was supposed to bring. He knew who he was supposed to announce. And he starts telling them that one is coming after him. And he gives them this message. After me, the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. A couple of years ago, Patty was heading to um, Mechanicsburg on the highway when they were doing construction between 114 and 581. I don't know if you travel that highway. I travel that highway almost every day, Monday to Friday. It's busy, it's fast, and I don't care how many construction signs they put up that says slow down to 55, people are doing 70 or more. She got a flat tire right in that construction area. In the left lane, had to manage to get over to the right lane and get off the highway in a construction zone. And if you've been in a construction zone, there's not much off the highway. It's when you sit there and the truck goes by and you go, and another truck goes by and your car goes like this. And she calls me on the phone, I got a flat tire. I'm at home still, and I'm headed in the same direction, but a half hour later. And so I get on the phone, I call her insurance company, call them up, tell them where she's at, try to explain where she's at, and then from there, they're going to send a tow truck driver. And so and I get in my truck, and I head that way. Uh, I'm not going to change a tire on that crazy highway at that point. Uh, I don't have flares and all those things. But there was a certain point where we realized the guy's coming. going to take care of this problem. And all of that worry, all of that concern, all of that where if I open up my door, someone might take the door off, let alone what might happen to me, all of that worry just immediately goes away. Because you know the guy with the flashing lights and all the tools and everything that has to happen, you know that guy is showing up and going to take care of the problem. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. John the Baptist is is starting to give them a message and saying, yes, you had this positional establishment of sin, and now we've moved on, and we're at that point where you have this prepared expectation where something's going to happen. There's one that's coming after him that is going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. He gives them that teaser, that expectation. If you think I'm good, wait till you see the next guy that comes along. You think the dip in the dirty Jordan River is really, really good? Wait until you see what the next guy dips you in. We need some expectation in our lives. We need to know. We really, really need to know. Something good is going to happen. Something good is going to happen. Now, I know I posted this song yesterday on on Facebook. I I couldn't help posting it. When I was... (laughs) going through here I had to get to that point and it's an old song it was written I believe somewhere around 1976 don't go run away and quote on me quote on me but from from the heritage singers they, they and I'm gonna share all the words I, I wanted to share a verse but I just couldn't get there so here's the whole song they they, they share the words I just feel like something good is about to happen that's enough but they go on. I just feel like something good is on its way. He has promised that he'd open all of heaven. And I like the part. And brother, it could be that very day. I love it when that bass guy comes in at that point. And I think that's why I like the song. When God's people humble themselves and call on Jesus, and they look to heaven expecting as they pray. I just feel like something good is about to happen. And brother, this could be that very day. I have learned in all that happens just to praise him, for I know he's working all things for my good. Every tear I shed is worth all the investment, for I know he'll see me through. He said he would. He has promised eye nor ear can hardly fathom all the things he has in store for those who pray. I just feel like something good is about to happen, and brother, this could be that very day. Now remember, they wrote this in 1976, about there and they say yes I've noticed all the bad news in the paper and it seems like things get bleaker every day but for this child of God it makes no difference for it's bound to get much better either way I have never been I have never been more thrilled about tomorrow. Sunshine's always bursting through the skies of gray. I just feel like something good is about to happen. And brother, it could be this very day. Brother, this could be, my sister, brother, this could be that very day. We have an expectation of something good is about to happen. Second Corinthians 5.8 says, Being absent from the body is being present with the lord now there's an expectation that being absent from the body is means that we are present with the lord and in that verse in second corinthians 5 eight says that's to be our preference our preference as believers in jesus christ is to be absent from the body and be present with the lord that's sitting on your seat i'm ready for the lord second peter 313 tells us that we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells in psalms repeatedly in, in Over and over we find the phrase of lifting one eyes to God. I lift my eyes to the Lord from where my help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. There's an expectation of what is coming and not what I have in my hand and not what I see. And when we look around and we see the news stories around us, and we say, what in the world is going on? We need to lift up our eyes into the hills, into the hills where our help comes from, and put our eyes on Jesus and say, Brother, it could be this very day. And I'm on my seat, on the edge of it, ready for it to happen. Because no matter what happens, I know that God has us in His hand. Psalm 29, starting with verse 7, The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert the Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh the voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare and his temple all and in his temple all cry glory the Lord sits enthroned over the flood the Lord is enthroned as king forever the Lord gives strength to his people the Lord blesses his people with peace That's God being in control Not on the wind God's going to shake the heavens with lightning I don't know when God's voice is going to go out and shake the desert the desert of Kadesh I don't know when his voice is going to go out and it's going to twist the oaks and strip the forest bare but I know I want to be in God's temple crying glory glory to God John the Baptist says one is one is coming to the people of Jerusalem and one is coming And for them to sit on the edge of their seats and watch out for the one that was coming after him. And that's the excitement that he builds in them. And we should be living with the same kind of excitement because one has come to make a way for us. And that's where we're going to keep going from a positional establishment. It goes to prepared expectation. But we end up at a place that is presented effectuation. I had to really stretch to get that third one, presented effectuation. Because from the anticipation, keep making me wait, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And we get the fulfillment because verse 9 tells us, at that time Jesus of Nazareth came and was baptized by John in the river Jordan. And this is a part that I think I've read over and over and skip over, don't always understand what really happened. As, John was, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn torn open, torn open, and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. It's one of those situations in life, and even in the Bible, we don't have a whole lot of them, where heaven and earth, the skies are torn open. We have heaven and earth colliding. Yet God dwelt with us through Jesus Christ, but now we have heaven opening up where the glory of God would shine through and like a spirit, like a dove, the Holy Spirit would rest on Jesus. And a voice comes from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I don't know how many people saw that. I really don't. Scripture doesn't tell us how many people saw it. But I know Mark recorded it for us. I know that Mark got a lot of his thoughts from Peter. And I don't know how loud this voice was. That happen, but I know it's recorded for us here, and so it was heard. I know that John saw something, if I go to the book of John. I know that 2 Peter 1.17, uh, I 2 Peter tells us that uh, the voice was heard as well. But with all of this, we have Jesus Christ coming to make a way for us. There's no longer any vague anticipation. There's no longer any doubt of what was to occur. There was no longer I'm sitting on my edge of my seat, what is John talking about? We're at that point where the great I AM, God himself was standing in their presence ready to make a way for them. And sometimes we forget that, that God Himself, Jesus Christ, God Himself, was standing on this earth when the heavens were split open. The Holy Spirit came down and rested upon Him, and the voice said, this is my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. It must have been a wild, wild experience. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it again. See, there's the expectation. (laughs) And that's where we need to live. When Jesus came and made a way for us, he made a way to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He he made a way for us that we could be washed and be whiter than snow. He made a way for us that that all of our iniquity is gone. He made a way for us that the the chains to to sin are broken and destroyed. But then from there, we step forward and we say, now I'm sitting on the edge of my seat and I'm waiting for the glory of God to come again. I don't know exactly what heaven's going to be like. Not not 100% sure. But if heaven's going to be like our time of worship this morning, I'll take a good dose of it. I'll take a good dose of it. I know we're not going to be singing songs all day long. But boy, I'd love to have a good time of it every day. If what heaven is like is having the presence of God touch us with the Holy Spirit in a way like he did this morning, I'll sit on the edge of my seat and say, come on, God. I'm ready for you. He's made a way for us. Am I ready for it? Our passage in Mark tells us that all Jerusalem came out to see John. It's one of those words when we come across it in the Bible, we have to be very careful how we use it. The whole Judean countryside, the whole Judean countryside, and all the people of Jerusalem went out to, went out to him. We have to be careful of that word sometimes, all. But you know, in this case, I do know people came out to him. I know the Pharisees came out to him because Matthew chapter 3 tells us about it. I know that Herod came out to see him. There's a certain aspect of it. I think all of them came out to see him. But what I don't get is how many people stuck around to see Jesus? There's a good question to ask. So we know that all the people came out to see John, but how many people stuck around to see Jesus? John's out there baptizing them. Baptizing them in the Jordan, baptizing them in the Jordan. The Pharisees say, hey, something's exciting going out there in the desert. You know, by the Jordan, let's go out and see what's going on. The Pharisees go out and they watch. And they say, oh, what's this guy doing? Look at the way he's dressed. Can't he afford decent clothes? Look at what he's eating. And they watch it. And they hear John say, one's coming after me. Another one's coming. I can't even tie his sandals. He's so great. He's not even going to baptize you in water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And God's going to come down and rest upon each and every one of you. The Pharisee says, yeah, whatever. And go back home. And I don't know how many other people went back home. I pick on the Pharisees. And Herod saw them as well. And says, ah, yeah, whatever, John. You crazy old coot. And I want to tell you, that's what's happening today. People are getting tired of sitting on the end of, edge of their seat waiting for Jesus. And they're saying well, a bunch of old, old fables and tales there's a day that's coming a day of reconciliation and I want to still be sitting on the edge of my seat saying I'm ready Jesus and I want you to be sitting there too forgetting what is ahead and straining towards what is to come forgetting what is behind I'll get that right forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead what's to come that's where we need to be so what do we do with all this we come back to the road we're on come back to my story I don't know what road you're on. I don't know if you're on the straight and narrow and you're waiting for Jesus to come. I don't know if you're on the the road that leads to righteousness or if you're on on the wide road that leads to destruction. I don't know the road you're on today. And I don't know what has distracted you or pulled you off of one road to the other because that happens so often in our lives where we're on the road to righteousness and something comes along, an event, an episode, a friend, whatever it may be, And we end up over on this other road, and we don't intend to be on that other road, but that's where we're at. And God says, come on, get back over here, please. Come on, come back to me. I love you, come back to me. I don't know where you're at, but I want us all to be on that land, on that road that is headed to the land of glory. The road, the path of righteousness. John the Baptist came, making a way for Jesus, and Jesus came and made a way for us. And today we must be sure Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that's who we were and are. We were lost and now we are found. That's the positional establishment we start with. That I am a sinner in need of grace. I told Patty the other day, I told her, I said, you know, we want to talk about grace all day long. But you know, without judgment, you don't get grace. And if we want to ignore the judgment of God, then we we can't get grace. Because I don't need grace if I don't get judgment. And God wants to say, look, I want to get you off of the road that leads to judgment and get you back on the road that leads to, to grace, the road of grace that leads to righteousness. And John the Baptist came and made a way for Jesus, and Jesus made a way for us. And today, if you're not sure, be sure. Be sure. All of this cascades into, into New Testament living. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm not going to read all of 1 Peter chapter 2. That's your homework. Go home and read 1 Peter chapter 2. It will enlighten you. It will open up your eyes on how we should live. Take some time this week to read it. Learn how to live out our Christian faith in a world that doesn't want it. Learn to live out your Christian faith in a world that does not want it. I have a couple of verses of 1 Peter chapter 2. It's up on the screen for us. I want us to read this together, for us to understand, this is what Jesus did for us. Can we read this together? He Himself bore our sins in His body, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I don't know where you're at in that sentence. I don't know where you're at. We were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. How do we get from there to there? How do we get from being astray and returning to God? Ask Him. Ask him. We have a God who loves us, who wants to pour out his mercy on us, who wants to bestow his favor on us who, wants us, who wants us to spiritually prosper, who wants to carry our burdens and carry our hurts and pains for us. But unless we're willing to say, Be my Lord and be my Savior. Help me return from the one road and get back on the right road. Unless we're willing to say that, we don't ever get there. We need to find ourselves there this morning. We're going to pray this morning. I know a lot of people are struggling. There's a week of turmoil, not just in our government. I know in a lot of people's lives there's turmoil going on. Struggling with a lot of things with our faith. God wants to pull us back. God wants us to draw us close to Him. God's saying to us, draw close to God and He will draw near to you. Let's pray this morning. The altar's here for us to come and pray. For us to be able to seek God and to seek His wisdom. I want us to be able to do that this morning. The altar's here if we have hurts and pains and we need someone to pray with us to lift those burdens off of our heart. That's why this altar's here. It's not here for a pretty decoration. If it was a pretty decoration, we'd dust it more and we'd clean it more. It's not here for a pretty decoration. It's a place to be stained. Stained with our knees, with our tears, with the cries of our heart and saying, I want to return to the shepherd and overseer of my soul. And I need that shepherd and I need that overseer of my soul to lift those burdens off of my heart. Set me free. That's why that altar's here this morning. Let's make sure we use it. Don't pass up on the opportunity to reach out to God. Allow His hand to lift you back up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have made a way where there seems to be no way. Only, only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross, sending us free. And then we find that way. Purify, purify our hearts. Renew us again. Pour Your Holy Spirit into our lives. the same way that your spirit descended on your son, pour your spirit on us. Seal our hearts, Lord. Seal our hearts with your Holy Spirit. And may each of us find ourselves walking on the narrow path in the way that you have made for us. We know that your love is wide and high and deep. We know that nothing separates us from the love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. We also know, Lord, that that you call us to respond to you. for whomever calls on the name of the Lord or the Lord will be saved Lord hear our cries this morning hear our hearts cries hear the pains of our lives hear the turmoil that's going on within our souls We need your healing in our lives. It's at times like this, Lord, that we need to fully rely on you. And we turn our eyes upon Jesus. And we look full in your wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. That's where we want to be, Lord. With our eyes fixed on you in a way that you will lead us then with your eye. Help us to stay there, Lord. Lord, I know it's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. So even this morning, Lord, I ask you to help us to stay there. when we fix our eyes on you, Lord, that we never let them wander away again. Lord Jesus, your presence is with us. Your grace, love, and mercy. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for healing us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your hedge of protection around us. We lift this all to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Out of sensitivity for people who may be still praying, I just ask that we be a little bit quiet this morning. You have a wonderful, wonderful and glorious week.